0: Welcome to The Readings Podcast, a fortnightly celebration of books. Today's episode is a recording of an event held live via Zoom during the COVID-19 pandemic. It is a conversation between author, photographer, and blogger, Ari Seth Cohen, and traveler, antiques dealer, mother, model, iconoclast, and now author, Sarah Jane Adams about Sarah's new memoir, Life in a Box. A quick warning, as this is an internet recording, there has been some effect on the sound quality of the episode. Here's Ari.
1: First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for taking your time out to celebrate one of my favorite people and one of my best friends and muses, uh, Sarah Jane Addams. I think we're all, you know, uh, having a hard time right now. And if we could all just take a moment to breathe. And just um, think about all the people who are suffering right now, because we're so lucky that we can even take this moment to talk about the things we're going to talk about. So um, sending love to everyone and healing for, you know, people in your lives that are having a hard time right now. We totally understand that. And, uh, you know, have been Sarah's, you know, her whole her whole book launch. Um, was was canceled, of course, because the pandemic. And so we were trying to find a creative way to share this beautiful piece of work that Sarah created called Life in a Box. And it it truly is, if you, some of you already might have it. If you do, you can hold it up to the screen and we can give her a a kind of a, a round of applause because, you know, she really deserves to be celebrated right now. Thank you so much for doing that, everyone. Um, Sarah Jane Adams is my dear friend. She's a antique jewelry dealer, mother, style icon, um, rebel, fighter. I mean, she's so many things, amused, amused to me, and um, now author. And I want to congratulate her on this uh, this beautiful, beautiful book. And just on a silly note, we can start off by, uh, we were talking before this, uh, you know, Sarah and I became friends five years ago because I saw a photo of her on Instagram and I happened to be in Australia and we met and she came to New York and then we've just been, we talk almost every day because we realize we have so much in common. And by reading this book, which is an exploration of objects that Sarah has kept and collected throughout her in, her entire lifetime. And she is a collector um, and the meaning behind those objects. And they really tell, bless you, a beautiful story about her life and her life's journey. She didn't want to make a, a book about um, style. She didn't want to make a book that was superficial. Now, Sarah, tell me, what oh, was just going to say? Tell us, you can tell us that funny story about the shirt if you want in us and Joshua Tree. Perfect. And then we'll start talking about the book.
2: Yes, I'm wearing this shirt. Um... It's, I'm seeing what Ari's wearing, I must just digress here because we hadn't discussed what we were each going to wear. Can you stand up and, and we will both stand up together because we actually have coordinated, without even planning, we've just, you know, he knows my color is red. Anyway, I knew
1: your color is red.
2: You know, you know my is red. But you didn't know I was gonna wear this shirt, which is a bow and you're wearing your bow tie.
1: Well, we bought, we bought that shirt together.
2: <laughs> we did buy this shirt together. I'm wearing this in honor of you, Ari.
1: And Um, Sarah wore that with my dog's blanket for a shoot in Joshua Tree.
2: (laughs) Yes, it was a shoot that we did in Joshua Tree when Ari was taking me out to that ancient land. I just also want to interject here, I'm on Gadigal land here in Australia, so I just want to acknowledge the elders in particular, and people. Anyway, so yes, that was another ancient, ancient land, and that was an amazing day. And that was a day where very rarely do I expose much flesh. various reasons that's a whole other story but it was a day that it was so hot and I mean I'm not embarrassed or shy about my body and we were doing I was doing quick changes in the desert do you remember Ari Mm -hmm. and and there were the occasional cars going past I said oh shit give me something and I held my hat up because I was nude well I had my trousers on but I was nude and um, you took the picture of me with my with your cowboy hats kind of being yeah and that's turned out to be and my husband also took one of my belly and that's kind of more where i got
1: the wrinkles and stripes idea from because i have a, a we'll twin. touch upon that in a few minutes i wanted to ask you obviously how how this book came about you've been on this journey for the last five years that i guess you were thrust into unwillingly yes. but really you know it's been a a, a A lot of exploration for you and you've had incredible adventures you've become a model and traveled the world and and worked with various brands and met people who you feel a kinship with and I know a lot in this book is about your um, having felt different your entire life so it's great that obviously these last few years you've really met people who who understand and love you now how did how did this book come about and what was your intention with the book
2: um, the book came about, as you say, yes, I have been asked to write a number of times to write a book about style and fashion. and It's actually not my, my realm or something that really interests me, the fashion aspect. Um, and it came to me because I basically wanted to write a book for my children because I, I'm not a hoarder in any way. I'm quite minimalist. And I've, as I've gotten older, I've cleared properties and got rid of stuff, big, the big stuff. Um, because I feel that we're all surrounded by way too much big stuff. And it got to the stage where I had these couple of suitcases with all these treasures. Well, there's rubbish, really. It's a book about a load of old rubbish, basically, let's face it. But um, all these treasures are still there. And my children have sort of grown up because I've had shadow boxes on the walls with some of these little bits and pieces on them. Because I've been someone who's travelled a lot, I have kept small mementos to remind me of things rather than, loads of photographs and whatever so i just decided that i wanted so kelly darling darling kelly doust who was the editor of the book she approached me and wanted me to write something and and i said i've got i can't write the book that you're wanting me to write but i do have a book in me and she said okay so i put for we discussed it and put forward a proposal and she said i think that's a great you know great idea um and so then We were trying to work out the format and because I've worked in an auction house for some years and it was all small objects and because eventually we may even decide to sell these things or put them in a music, you know, donate them to something or whatever. I haven't got to that stage yet. There's a couple of things that we're thinking about. Um, I decided to write it as an auction catalog. Actually Kelly showed me this weird little thing that she'd got. She's brilliant, she's a bit like me, she knows, not brilliant, but she knows where everything is in her house, which I do too. And um, she went and fetched this little brochure and she said, this is a little story, like a novel of an auction catalog. And I burst into tears and I said, that's it, that's it.
1: I I really loved the aspect of exploring a life through objects because I related to you in the fact that first of all, we both had a grandmother that we were very close to. So in reading that book, you know, what, well, what well, I want to ask about Granny Wynn, but also, you know, even like mundane things like my grandmother's green stapler from the 1960s, like to me, that object, like it was just something special and I have her, um, gold and rose, um, uh, Uh, vase of hers and I have all these like little journals of hers and all those objects have meaning every day I I open the door with the the key holder that she used you know it's broken and just like the meaning that that objects can have and I love estate sales and I know you you loved collecting things when you were younger and the meaning that they took upon and I feel like the book is uh you know a really uh story about becoming owning who you are inhabiting your body and your strength and being resilient and 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 being a rebel and being rebellious. Um, but tell us a little bit about your grandmother.
2: Nanny Wynn, she was a mad eccentric. I loved her to bits. She was she was she was <clears throat> I won't say too much because the her birth situation is quite interesting and it's very detailed in the book. But she and I sort of had almost like a secret friendship. We were confidants to one another, um, and she she was she loved animals. She was the first animal liberationist that I was aware of. She used to write letters every year when the Grand National was on in England, and the horses used to have to jump over these steeplechases, and they would it, you know have broken legs and have to be euthanized. And she would write all these letters, and she used to save the bears. But she used to go for mad long, long walks, even. into her eighties, she'd go off across the fields, you know, striding out in her wellies and she just loved nature, the fresh air, animals. She was greatly misunderstood as well, I think. Um, She was a really gorgeous woman, a very big influence in my life. Although (laughs) I, I only spent time with her when I was very young because when I went to boarding school, I didn't really see much of anybody.
1: You yeah. Know, so. I feel but, like for, for you, it was your, your nanny win. And then the uh, like, and then it with, with your, your teddy bear that you had, and these were, you know, and then, and then the objects that you collected became your friends, you know, because, yes. um, I don't want to talk too much about what's in the book, but you felt, did you feel quite alone as a child?
2: Oh, very alone as a child. Yes. I mean, my birthing was a strange situation. Again, that's revealed in the book. <clears throat> and, um, because my father was in the Royal Air Force, we used to move around a lot. And I, yeah, I never really met, uh, yeah, I was, I've was. i always been a loner. And I still am, Ari, that's my comfort zone, is being very self-isolating, um, which I think a lot of people find strange because I apparently am a flamboyant dresser, but my dress is just something that's happened over the years, it's not a construct as such. But yes, yeah. I've always been very content being alone, and I've always loved to have time to entertain myself and to explore the inner inner mechanisms of who I am and who, what the world is around me. And I think that's one of the reasons I love to travel because when I'm traveling, I'm completely anonymous and completely, well, really invisible when I travel because people don't know, people don't look, you know, I'm I'm an old woman, people don't look at you when you're old. And I'm actually really happy with that because being stared at when you're young because you're whatever, I, I've always I always found that to be something of a burden um but yes i'm'm I'm, I'm just happy in my own company as you are as well and we're both a couple of weirdos yeah. really
3: I
1: mean i mean i I'm a lot more social in a lot of ways but I totally feel like you know being someone who felt like they were different which I'm sure we all have felt at different times in our lives that as a young person looking back it was almost um something beneficial to that like having mm-hmm. that time to yourself to have um allow your imagination to work because I didn't have a lot of friends growing up and I was very different than most people and eccentric and strange. And I had my grandmother like you did. And, mm-hmm. you know, we looked for objects, we played, you know, we made up games, we yeah. wrote stories. And, and I think that what I, what I really loved, one of the things I loved about your book because it was, kind of in line with my journey is something that you've loved your entire life, which is objects and jewelry and jewelry, especially you really mm. learn how deep your relationship to jewelry is in this book from, you know, first finding objects, um, in, in your yard and in, in those excavations to yeah. the little pieces that you'd collect. But jewelry really became your source of independence. It was the <laughs> the thing that allowed you to be free from the restrictions of your life. And it feels like you're constantly, I mean, especially when you were younger, but you still continue that um, quest for freedom. Like, I think you're always looking for more and more freedom and understanding of who you are. Can you talk a little bit about the various it's cataloged in the book, but like just some of the touch upon the few moments of like, this was when I first felt free, but like it, it, it changes throughout life because then you finally become established and then you're looking for freedom again. Yes. but I And also what, what, what place did jewelry play in that?
2: Um, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest, apart from my children, my apart from when I had my children, my relationship with jewelry has been the biggest um, relationship I've had in my entire life. And it's not, it's not, Monetarily based, it never started out that way. I was very fortunate because, because of my passion for um, antique pieces in particular and what they represent, and what can be used. And Deborah will, I'm sure, relate with to this as well. What can be used to as jewelry, and what can be used to send messages, um, and what we what jewelry can be made from. It, it, it's so evocative, and it can be public very private and it can be private but still public you know there are so many different this is why I never wear jewelry now because if I do it's so the jewelry that I choose to wear is so loaded with meaning I mean I have a fabulous jade blade which isn't even featured in the book because that's so important to me and I didn't want to share that but I you'll see it in some photographs, and that is my let
1: us know uh, also what like how the jewelry literally gave you your freedom you were telling oh, a
2: little bit about it. Uh, well, it gave me my freedom because I was living on the smell of an oily rag, working basically. I was living with a boyfriend. Well, my free I first felt that I had freedom, which was nonsense really, when I finished university and my parents were no longer supporting me. And then I moved immediately down to London and moved in with a, the boyfriend who was a musician. And so we, um. I had immense freedom then and we would go all around Europe on, on the road and I used to do the lighting. I was the lighting technician. And then one day um, he was signed up with Virgin Records who were just starting back in those days and there was no money. And one day we, I literally had to decide whether to spend my last 20 pence on potatoes or toothpaste. Um, and I thought, this is ridiculous. And in the meantime, I'd been going to jumble sales on my little bicycle for a year and a half. And I gathered all this weird and wonderful, I mean, I'm, even this scarf, this is a Liberty shawl from those days, you know, I, I still, so I I'd gathered all this stuff and I just looked around my our apartment and I said, I'm just going to see how I can earn some money. And so I bought the evening standard and in the back of the evening standard. There was an advert for the new Covent Garden market, which was opening and I rang them up and booked a stall. And and, and that was the beginning of my business and it wasn't of course i didn't start with jewelry because that took time to learn time to find time to understand as well as time to be able to afford but that was the beginning of my um relationship well being an antique dealer and because i was always and i don't like to use the generic word gypsy but because i'm always on the move i I knew i wanted to do something that was small I knew that I was always fascinated with the minutiae of things rather than the big, the big stuff. So it was, and I've always loved rocks and fossils. I'm a gemologist and a diamond grader and so on. And um, so that's kind of why it became jewelry and jewelry. The searching for jewelry gave me an immense freedom because it meant that I had to have courage to go and explore where women certainly weren't very, often seen you know there were very few females doing what I was doing back in those days I didn't even think about it I I didn't even think oh I'm a girl I can't do this none of that has ever held me back you know I've never let my gender influence anything I've done really you know I I guess I'm if I had been born if I had if, if gender fluidity had been happening in those days I probably would have been one of these people who didn't know people didn't know whether I was a boy or a girl because of the way I dressed and because of and so that's a bit of a side track
1: but so jewelry gave me freedom to travel definitely the book explores your relationship to your your body your gender to other people and explores like the history of the time period that you've lived in you know I think it's such a a deep book with um so many fascinating clues into your life, but also to like the times that you were living in and yeah. musically and the people you were surrounded by. And, you know, princess Diana was yeah. passing and so many things. It's, it's the
2: just, HIV situation that pandemic. I mean, it was,
1: it's, it's just
2: it's repeating itself. But the thing, the, the thing that I wanted to do, Ari, to answer your question of earlier, when I was writing this book, I wanted it to, 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 appeal is the wrong word because i'm not into salesmanship but i wanted it to be relatable to people of all types all ages all cultures all everything i wanted to i wanted it to i wanted everybody on this planet to find something in this book that they could relate to because it's basically a book about a life My life is no more special or different than anybody else's life. But I just, and that's one of the reasons that when I first was given the book, the first copy I was given, I actually had to fly to India. You take over. (laughs) And present my my first copy to my my Indian family. Anyway, but the, the point is that my Indian family is a very extended family, ranging from little ones who are three four five to elders who who i've known for 40 years and who i knew when they were first sort of 40 so you know they are elders now and every time we went to see them and this is honestly the truth every time we went to see them one member of the family would have that book and would be reading it or looking at the pictures and the little children were fascinated by my colored crayons and tessie bear and so for young people i'm hoping there are stories and and aspects of old people of my generation's age so that they won't know. Like, for example, the milk bottles. You know, why is, why is this woman written about a gold milk bottle top? It's absolute rubbish. Yet the message within that story, I hope is, well, I hope it talks about the inside of how we feel as opposed to the outside, how we look. It's an historical referencing to milk being delivered and, you know, a story about the olden days and a funny story about weird, you know, like I'm, I've tried to really make each section relatable to different aspects of the population in different ways.
1: It, it's beautiful. And it it, it it definitely has the aspect of being so beautifully relatable to so many people. And I know that because of, you know, it's in the book, but your um, parents, Had a lot of expectations of you to be a certain way, you know. um,
2: Suck out that—that's
1: always. You know, you you were stifled in a lot of ways in terms of expression and school, and so a lot of your journey, like we said, has been about rebellion. And um, (laughs) and I think that you really are a role model for people of all ages to rebel against what people expect out of them and uh i wanted to talk a little bit about rebellion and then obviously what you've been doing the past few years now we can talk about uh you know the hashtag that you created that's gone viral that's really empowered a lot of people in so many ways what i love about your social media and everything you do it has such authenticity to it and you know, there's always a message behind it That's it's not about clothing, it's not about buying, it's not about um, representing something other. It's about being who we are and uh, you allow a lot of us to be who we are. So... Well,
2: I sometimes wonder, you know, when you're doing it, you sort of feel as though you're living in a box and it's like, let me out, let me out. You know, like after we've done this, I think I'm going to put up a post, a picture and say, are oh, we done yet? You know, because it's like, this has been such a big... But yes um I think I am a rebel but I also truly believe that we have to be very very conscious and thoughtful about what we're rebelling against or why are we doing this and what is the best method the best method to do it and I've learned and when I was young I was very bombastic and, and I a lot of people think I still am but trust me when I was young I was you know I was out there and I was nobody had a fucking chance if they you know like it's okay, see you later, I'm out of here, you know, like it was, I was pretty intense. And, and I learned through growing older, and I learned this from my mother, it's all in the art of timing. And also, I also learned, and I learned this from school, and there's a very, there's a a story in there about when I had a phone call from the Young Communists Association. (laughs) But I learned how to, um, Work from within. So basically, how to be, how to infiltrate your opposition. I've, I learned how to play the game, and I learned how to know when I'm playing the game, and that's why I'm really brilliant at winding people up. I'm such a bitch, but I know, I've learned how to infiltrate. No, no, because it's, I learned this, Ari, by through working in the business in a man's world. I had to. It was survival. I, I would have been out on the streets. I had to learn how to infiltrate, and sit and shut the fuck up and learn and learn how to play the game and know when I was playing the game. And then also know when you can actually come out and break and that's when you are a, a different kind of a rebel. You can be a rebel from internal, from, from within as well as from opposition.
1: And, and and tell me about how did you come up with this movement and embracing of, tell us a Shall little about you? My my Wrinkles Shall Are I My Strength. Shall I show you? Yeah, sure. I was, I,
2: the first photograph was my, the first picture of that. OK, so my wrinkles. Of my, OK, my wrinkles and my stripes. Everyone assumes it was actually about my face. I don't give a shit about wrinkles on my face. And I don't you know, like it's it's that's irrelevant it, as a, all of it. All of it's irrelevant. But I'll show you what what started it. And I took the first photograph and it's on um Sarah my jewels because this is way before I started my wrinkles and my stripes it's a long time back it will be probably three or four years ago this is the first photograph and it's a picture that I took when I was in your apartment in New York and you had that little tiny bathroom with a mirror straight you'd open the door and there mm-hmm. is that mirror do you remember and I walked in there and I, and somebody Yoppie, remember Yoppie? she'd given me this yeah. really short jumper and I and I and I love wearing things when people give them to me but often they're not quite what I would normally wear and I put this on and I went into the bathroom and I walked and I stood in by the mirror and this this dress, this jumper came to about here right and so I'm standing there I got my jeans on that were low-ride jeans I've got my adidas trackies on under this to keep warm I'd had my low-ride jeans on that kind of looked like this and this top kind of went like that and I was going to take a photograph of it I don't know if you can see but I've got a really really wrinkly belly because I've had twins and all of this wrinkle all of this is Twin belly. And that's what my wrinkles and my stripes is, 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 is some acknowledging this, that, you know, any female who's had a child is going to have a wrinkle on And it's such a proud thing to, you know, like, how can you, how can you have any negativity around that?
1: And then it became a bigger, I think, message about just embracing who we are yes, and, exactly. and, and being yes. proud. Remember when we were in the Gold Coast, and re, I remember we did a, a tea party and a book signing, and yeah. uh, they wrote about uh, us saying, my wrinkles are so hot right now. And I really love that. Because when do you see that in the media that wrinkles are so hot right now? Christine, we only have like a few more minutes, right? I want to say one last thing. And I'm so sorry, guys, because I felt this huge responsibility to uh, really represent Sarah's book. I hope I did an okay job because it's such a beautiful book. And we have such a short amount of time to talk. But, um, you know, it's interesting how you always wanted to be invisible and sort of uh, straight away from the spotlight, and your style you talk about in the book was a way to sort of hide yourself, but it mm-hmm. became, I guess, through me <laughs> uh, yes. unknowingly. Yes. Show, us became... book, Show us your book, Show
2: okay. us your book. Show your book. Sorry this to
1: interrupt. This is Ari's
2: book, Advanced Love. Look at that.
1: It's a book of love stories, and there's lots of Australian couples. You can find it at readings, but that's not the point. Um, the point is that something that was so personal to you, and I understand now reading the book why you don't consider yourself a fashion icon or style icon, that everything you have was had meaning and you bought on a journey or you traded for or discovered in a box or, you know, when we were together at the thrift store, someone's given you something, and it's the way you put it together and it's the punk and it's the... I mean, obviously you have an incredible sense of aesthetics, you're an artist, but, you know, something that y- you wanted to become and allow you to be invisible has made you very visible. And yes. I know that that's not the most comfortable feeling for you. So what's n- what do you do now with this platform? You've been, you know, for oh. the next- or are I you just going to press- let it go?
2: I might just, I might press the delete button. I don't know. I've always kept on because there's always been another, I've thought, there's a reason, what's the, I don't believe anything happens without, you know, there's no such thing as a coincidence as I've written that in the book. And, and yes, I don't, I'm not a political person. I'm not, I'm not somebody who's going to represent sustainable fashion or, because that's how I've lived my life. I can't just make, I I don't want to just be limited by one topic or one portfolio. So I don't know, Ari. I mean, I think I just want to ride off into the sunset and come and see you and let's both go go and make some beautiful photography in Joshua Tree again. I have no great ambitions in life anymore. I don't think I ever did have ambitions. Neither (laughs) do I. What?
1: Neither do I, I never have.
2: (laughs) No. no, I mean, life, and I don't make plans. I don't believe in making plans because we never know what's going to come to us. We never know what's going to happen. So I don't have plans. I just t- take one day at a time. So I can't answer that question.
1: Well, but, thank we you have so time for some you. questions. That's okay. If anyone wants to ask questions, type them in, um, right, Christine. G- and thank you to all of our friends. We yes, see Lydia and you. Alka and Mary, I mean, every for tuning in. This- how,
2: do we, how do you see who's on? I'm actually going to be brave enough now to see. i can
3: actually to let you know that you can go to Gallery View if you want to. Yeah. But Sarah yes, yes. Some, some questions have been coming through to actually for both of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm interested to hear the answers, actually. They're, they're very good questions. There's a lot of people asking me about how, when did you find out that you had fallen in love with colour? When did you find out that that was one of your things? And I guess that makes sense to me because certainly coming from Melbourne, so many of us down here wear black. That's what we're known for. We wear dark clothes. We don't wear colour. But you, Sarah-Jane, and you, Ari, have always seemed to be quite quite a rainbow.
2: Do you want to go first, Ari?
1: No, this is, this is your signing, girl. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Um, well, for me, I guess it was when I was very, 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 very young, because it was post-war England, and everything was made out of blankets, and, you know, there was nothing really in the stores. And... Um, I used to go to boarding school, and my na- my, my boarding school colour was navy blue. One of the reasons I never wear blue, and brown. One of the reasons I never wear brown, and those were the those were the colours. But um, I really discovered colour when I discovered Keith Richards and Jimi Hendrix there's no going back that's that's the end of it that's those are my start but but
1: even looking at your book like you know in in the crayons and and the objects i mean i think we learn about color from the objects around us and you know nature and i was going to say
2: for me nature is the first place to look i mean even in england and cold places in the you know the daffodils the color you just look to nature. I'm looking now at the tree. The, the, the colors, even within one plant, that you, if you saw them on a color chart, you'd think, "Oh, that won't work." But they do, and it does. And that's. But I, my 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 relationship with color and layering was very fine tuned when I went to when I went to India because those women. Oh my God, the way their poise, their elegance, wow. their pride, and the mixtures of the color, and I love. I I'm, I'm really also very fascinated by faded colors and vegetable color like i don't wear primary colors generally I'll, I'll wear vegetable dye colors and i love faded l- i just love faded beauty
3: you love a bit of pattern i'm
2: though. an antique dealer that's why i'm an antique dealer
3: yeah one of the other sort of i'm getting the other sort of questions that i'm getting through here sarah jane is uh, a little bit of a you know a practical one are you going to be narrating your story is there i an would audio love
2: or- to I mean, I don't know. We're in the we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, all the events, everything has been cancelled. So, I would adore to do it. I would adore to to do it for. A, yeah, I'd love to. I would love to yeah, do that. Yeah. If somebody told me about that. I don't know how we do that. Yeah, we I'm going to be your
1: agent for a second. And anyone who could help us spread the word about this beautiful book, you know, it's a it's a it's a hard time to get the word out about something beautiful like this. And it's something that you have at home that really. Uh, I spent a day with it, and I really truly loved it. So, um, if anyone can tell their friends about this this beautiful book, we'd we'd so appreciate it.
3: We so, we so would, and I should say that uh, today, if you buy that book from the readings website and you put in readings events ten, then you do get a discount, and it's actually makes it's such a bargain because it is a warm and glorious book. Thank you. Well,
2: have, and it's Mother's Day soon. Good one for Mother's Day. It's
3: perfect for Mother's Day. It's perfect, yeah. but I will. Uh, there's a couple more questions here, Sarah, Jamie, and before we just go back to you, Ari. Uh, people want to know when you first went to India, and they also want to know uh, how. How is it that you got started? How is it that you were so brave to make that first move to get started? To be I to be I don't know. No, I think to be who just you are. travel
1: on your own and do your thing and have your own yeah. business, maybe.
2: Yeah. Um, Um. I guess I'm, I have no fear. I don't know. It was just, I, I lived in England and it was the same as now I live in Australia. It was the kind of top end, bottom end of the world. And there was a great big world and I just needed to go and explore. I've always explored. I've always climbed rocks. I still climb trees, you know, the other day. So it's part of who I, it's who I am. I'm a big, I'm going to take adventurer. And adventurer. I, I first went to India. I was looking for, there is a thing in the book about, when I first went to India, but it was 40 odd years ago. The first time I was in India, I don't know, here we go. On the, on, on the 27th of November, 1980, age 25, I set off with an antique dealer boyfriend on my first life-changing journey to India. Have I got time to read this or not, Yes, yeah, Okay, my journal entry for that day reads, arrive Bombay at 6 a.m. local time and make a good luck wish. Out of the plane, we all troop onto an old bus, which takes us 10 yards to the waiting customs, etc. And I think it's really hilarious. 10 yards on a bus have to wait two and a half hours to get through lots of silly forms and Indians running backwards and forwards. And then someone knocks over the custom man's desk by mistake and everything goes flying. All the Germans are getting stroppy. Even the Indians who have just arrived, say it's ridiculous, but I laugh and it's okay. So that was my first journal entry when I landed in India. And that's been, I think, with travel, with, to answer the question, how did I get started in living the life that I've led? It's by realizing I'm just a tiny little ant. None of it really matters. But also by keeping a sense of humor. I think you have to have a laugh and you have to smile. When people say to me, weren't you frightened going to India? I say no, because people stare. People stare everywhere. And all you do is you look at them and you smile and they go, oh, and they're so, you know, it's like, of course they're going to stare. I mean, you know, people stare when I'm in bloody Newtown. They're going to stare when I'm in India. And it's the same for everybody. People do stare, but there's nothing wrong with being stared at. There's nothing wrong with not being stared at. That is all your own
3: I need to learn that lesson. Then.
2: Pardon?
1: I need to learn that lesson.
3: You know, yes. the things I think that the great lesson, perhaps the great thing that we can all take from here, uh, from this conversation, from you, Sarah Jane, is that certainly it's just, I have no fear. What's the worst that yes. can happen?
2: That type of attitude. Can happen? If I die, I die. You know, like to me, I, yes, I, I'm not hung up about any of that. I'm ready. This, now that I've written this book, I'm ready and I'm serious. That's why the last photograph of the book. I don't know if you've, uh, people have seen this, but this is the last photograph of the book, and this is me in a yoga pose, which is called Shavasana, and it's called, which is corpse pose. So this photograph was a pure fluke. Group
1: it up to I, don't the look,
2: I don't know if you can see, but it's me. But what, what I need to tell you is that this picture was taken on the pavement, on the road in May Lane, which is where all the graffiti artists go. My husband and I were there taking some photographs of me in the orange dress. And I saw on the curb. I don't know if you can see. Can you see these two yellow eyes, these two yellow eyes and a stupor. So this is like almost like the Shiva eyes. And I'm a bit of a Shiva. Girl. Anyway, and I saw this on the on the curb. And I said to DT my husband. I said, DT just hang on a minute my, my husband's a painter and decorator by trade. So there's always drop sheets in the back of the truck. And and my kid had been doing some graffiti on the walls donkeys years ago. And this is one of the, when they're testing the spray. So this is a really, really symbolic picture. And if I had the time, I could go through every single picture in this book and tell you why I chose this picture. None of this has happened by accident. But this is my husband's drop sheet. One of my kids, you know, starting the graffiti, they shake it and they go, and that makes the paint. And here I am in Shavasana, in front of the, the the Shiva eyes on the pavement in Sydney.
1: Well, Sarah, the- we're not re- we're not ready for you to go, but it's a beautiful message. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're ready for you to be here, and you know I know oh. you're not totally comfortable comfortable with being celebrated, but no. I celebrate you today, and I celebrate everyone who tuned in. And thank, thank, you,
3: thank you, Ari. For I for love you for your
1: love and time with us. Ari, um,
3: I just do a out to here you? you you have a uh, Change the way that people have, have seen what style is. It, it's something that you have contributed to this world, to the whole world. Uh, on behalf of little old fashion-centric Melbourne, thank you so much. I find your work incredibly exhilarating and incredibly important. Thank you. You've got this beautiful new book, which of course you can con- buy it at Readings as well. I wish you so much luck. I know that it must be so shitful there in LA at the moment. And uh, it's such such a gift that you have joined us today. Tremendous, tremendous gratitude to you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for doing this. And I have so much gratitude to the women that I work with, like Deborah and Elka and all these women who have tuned in, and Sarah, because they're the ones whose stories and style and wisdom that uh, have shaped my life, starting with my grandmother. So it's actually more of an honor and a privilege that they even let me in to do what I do. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones who are making the change more than I am. So, mm. and this book is hopefully- Everybody needs the mirror down.
2: Own it, own it, own <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> Come on, no, got... there's conversations we have all the time. Own it, boy. One more question. Debra,
1: we gotta put the music on and have a dance party now in your in <laughs> in your in your, in your, in your office. Hi, Deborah. Hi.
3: Everyone's,
1: we could all wave at each we other.
3: Could, we could, we could. You know what I'm going to do in a couple of minutes is I'm going to take you all off mute so you can all just yell and and cheer. Uh, be lovely. Uh, it's so nice. So Jane, can you just very quickly show us what you're reading at the moment? I know that you're reading some pretty extraordinary books at the moment. So <laughs> well, I don't
2: read. I don't read very much. I must admit, I don't read much. But I'm reading. This is a book that my darling friend oh. Kelly gave me for Christmas. Kelly's the um editor of my book so this is a book about bats you'll know that i have a a love for bats this is a book that i bought when the last time i was in england my mother accused me of having boarding school syndrome i had never heard of it but she said you've clearly got boarding school syndrome but at least it made you strong so here we are i'm reading that um and then the last one and the best one is Sadhguru, who i follow
3: so fantastic. But they're all
2: black. They're all black covers and grey covers. How weird is that? There's a message there somewhere.
3: There's a complete to you, Sarah Jane. Ari, can you hold up your gorgeous book one more time so that we can all see it so clearly and all rush out and get it? Ari, hold it up. Don't be don't be
2: crazy. There it is. There it is. There it is. It's wow. fantastic. Deborah's in it. Beautiful
1: book.
2: <laughs> yes, Deborah's in it. It's a beautiful book. Oh hey, Ari know
1: hey, Deborah's no. Debra, in your book.
2: She is, Deborah is mentioned in my book because I made a, be- a bangle when I was doing one of Deborah's classes. Can we actually say what, we're going- what we decided to do this-, this morning with regards to the book? You can tell.
1: Oh yeah, tell. if anyone wants to join in, um, uh, Sarah, we were starting a little Sarah dress up contest. Oh, thanks Deborah for sharing the book. Um, I started, I've started this thing over the past few weeks called the Advanced Style Challenge. Shona did it and a few other people have, have dressed up to celebrate older people in your life and also um, you know, dress up like maybe someone from my archive. And so we're, we're, if someone dresses up like Sarah in the next few days, um, she'll be sending them a free copy of the book. Uh, we're gonna pick one person who really does it up and uh, you know, one of Sarah's looks. Uh, post it on Instagram with hashtag fan style challenge and life in a box and tag Sarah on that and she'll look through them. But uh, yeah, we're doing that. But I think it's time to to give her a big clap and say hello to, we can all say hello to I, each
3: other. I'm gonna unmute everybody uh, on behalf of Readings, on behalf of Murdoch, thank you so, so much, everyone for joining us. To you, Ari, just-
1: Thank you, Christine. Thank you
2: <laughs> Thank you,
3: darling. Thank Thank you, you. Now, now It's going to be
1: chaos. For
0: you, can all yourself. you can stream previous episodes of the Readings podcast on our website, where you'll also find all kinds of bookish recommendations and plenty of great books, music, film, and TV. While there, you can sign up to our e-news or to receive the free monthly print newsletter The Readings Monthly. Production and music for this podcast was provided by Tom Hoskins. All of our podcasts are recorded and produced on the lands of Kulin Nation. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and that sovereignty is never ceded.